This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. Welcome back to the second part of our podcast with Lawrence Halstead. In the first part, we discussed Lawrence's career as an Olympic athlete and the work he is doing in the True Athlete Project. Excitingly, Lawrence has recently completed a book draft titled Becoming a True Athlete, a practical philosophy for flourishing through sport. So welcome back, Lawrence, and let's start out by exploring this very exciting book. I've read the first, uh, the previous draft, and I think it's such a wonderful achievement to put it together. So why did it come about? Let's start with that. Well, thank you very much for saying that, Nora. Um, it's always a bit but very nerve-wracking sending a book out to the world. So any crumbs of positive feedback are well received. So it, the book harks back to a, a conversation I had with Sam Tapp's founder uh, a good number of years ago, quite early on, maybe 2017, um, which where we talked about how nice it would be to have some kind of manifesto for Tapp's approach. We feel like we've got quite a a unique, quite pioneering approach to athlete development, athlete and coach development. And we thought that with this kind of countercultural aspect to it, a manifesto would be quite cool. And then we just, we parked that because we had so much going on anyway. And um, and then I just kind of tinkering with ideas along the way and putting a bit of structure to what our thoughts are. I realized I had something I had some structure to that I was starting to think about and I was I was talking about a bit more um, around some spe- specific values or virtues um, of the, the, the kind of all that come out of all of our programs that are not specific to anyone that just come out from what everything that we do um, and then I started reading into as a lot of people are reading into stoic philosophy more recently, a, a few years ago, two years ago, and there was a really, a really, it really struck me that Stoic philosophy is a practical philosophy. It's a philosophy for life. It's not theoretical and kind of to think deeply about the world and exist our existence. It was, it's a way of being in the world, and so I kind of put two and two together, and I realised that we there could be a really nice way of making a pr- practical philosophy for sport and for athletes. Um, and I don't think there there is anything quite like this. There is a there is a an area called the philosophy of sport, and there are lots of researchers and people in that. But nothing again that was more of the, the, on the theoretical level, and nothing particularly to speak to to athletes themselves. So I 
I, I got that as an idea and set about kind of putting some, some meat to the bones. Um, I reached out to a, a publisher who's just started up in the sport and psychology sphere and had some nice conversations with them and, and then realized that this might be an option. So I had to then get to work and see if I could actually write a book. And, and that's where, that's where it started. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. And you mentioned already uh, Stoic philosophy as being one of these influences that you had. And in the previous episode, we talked a little bit about mindfulness. That is part of some of the things that you do in the True Athlete Project. But if we just take a little more systematic overview of this True Athlete philosophy. So let's just go through what are the building blocks of, of this practical philosophy. So so Stoicism gave, gave inspired with some of the content, but it especially started, it inspired me with the structure. So in Stoicism, there's a higher purpose for living. And so I, I created a higher purpose of sport. Um, and that, if I dig into that a little bit, um, the what what we what we're kind of saying in tap what we see in tap and what that section of the book is about is is pointing to these ways that sport is really failing to live up to its its purpose its kind of truer meaning and value and and people t- we tend to we know what what sport the, the potential sport has for doing good individuals to be kind of create health, kind of healthy physically mentally healthy individuals and kind of thriving communities and bringing people together, great teamwork and um, social change that can come from it. It really is it's endless how the, the positive effects that can be. But then we're seeing in the world these, especially, I mean, these, we talked in the first part about the, the negative side effects of the Olympics and these mega sporting events. We're also seeing all of these stories coming out of high performance systems, which are just kind of toxic and inhumane. I mean, abuse to just extreme levels. Um, and that seems to be worldwide and throughout not just one sport, but multiple sports. Um, there's doping, which is rife in, in many in many sports. There's corruption and and fraud going on at the highest levels of sporting administration. And all of these things, they kind of they're pointing us in this to this fact that sport is losing or has lost track of its truest kind of meaning, the value it really has in the world and for individuals. And it, I point to the fact that this is down to this the, this all pervasive win at all costs culture. That seems to be the thing that kind of brings everything all bring all those things together. The doping, where you wouldn't dope unless you thought that winning was the only thing that mattered these abusive high performance cultures because they think that's the best way to win and and with any cost it, any human cost is acceptable in if it comes with it for a gold medal at the end and and so we really need to bring ourselves back to what the higher purpose of sport is so it's i present it in the in the book as is as being kind of bringing about a more compassionate kind of vibrant world for bringing people together basically and that exists in in actually in, in many martial eastern martial arts they already have that as a kind of purpose as there, there are underlying philosophies of martial arts that state a purpose for the sport being to 
to bring about kind of more harmonious harmonious world and and athletes and participants who who train themselves in order to to give back to to this positive vision so it's not it's not original in that sense um but we for those philosophies that we find in in eastern martial arts we they, they don't exist in any western sports there's no similar founding philosophy so and that that comes back to this idea of, of, of philosophies for sport that i conceived well why shouldn't there be a, a kind of a single unifying philosophy for sport it doesn't have to be each sport individually has its own founding philosophy but when we know we know what sport can give then and and how it's not living up to it then a philosophy can can draw can draw us together to a to this kind of unifying vision for what it can be yeah yeah so just uh, yeah if i was continuing i got kind of zoomed in on the higher purpose section but then this drawing on this structure from stoicism there are virtues specific virtues of stoicism and i also highlighted these four virtues within the true athlete philosophy which are those that have come through our work over the, the last years so they are just very briefly they are compassion uh, integrity responsibility and awareness um, and and then like in stoicism we have a number of mental emotional strategies tools practices that un can underpin those virtues so that that's kind of the bit that makes it very practical that these are the these are the practices that you can use or the kind of perspectives that you can use in order to 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 be the foundation for those virtues and in order to to get us closer to that higher purpose um, and so in throughout there's, there's some some of this content some of these strategies are drawn uh, have a lot in, in common to stoicism there's a lot from buddhism the compassion love and mindfulness elements um, and plenty from sports psychology behavioral psychology um, so that's the that's the overall structure of it drawn from stoicism but the content is 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 far reaching it's it's just our kind of our best knowledge to date of how to how athletes can kind of harness their experience of sport and their their lived experience of sport for a more more healthy more fulfilling more meaningful life in and and after sport and when you talk about this being a practical philosophy of living as opposed to maybe in more philosophy of sport in the scholarly literature, it's it's quite uh, abstract and away from these practical concerns. So if we think of implementing this philosophy, what would be some of the <laughs> steps to start doing that? Well, it's, it kind of falls to everybody in the, in the sporting world. So starting with the individual athlete, um, to be interested and open and kind of curious but there obviously there's a almost a bigger responsibility on the coaches who who can kind of who set up these environments to to help their athletes thrive or not and then people like in my position the performance directors the administrators the um the parents everybody else the support staff everyone else around the athletes have can can have a major influence we we talk a lot about in, in the Trathy project of coaches being social change makers, and that points and then it's not just coaches, SNC coaches, psychologists, but coaches have such kind of close contact with their athletes that they they have 
an immense an immense power to actually create social change in, the, in these communities that they work in. So there are there are many and there are endless steps that we can take towards this. But it, it, the the first thing to point out is that it, everybody has a responsibility in this, and um, it's a, around the environment, the language that we use. Uh, being open, I mean, the first step we have to take is is to create more openness in sporting culture to 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 what it's all about. And that if 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 people are still thinking that what it's all about is to create the best athletes to get the most wins and medals, then there'll there'll be no there'll be no movement in this direction because they'll they'll just be driven by by those results. So but what we've been very very careful, very clear to do in try and kind of give the message in in tap is that we really believe that our approach, this more humane, compassionate approach, will will lead to better performances. And hopefully, those people reading this book will see that will see the argumentation kind of leading them to to the same conclusion that a compassionate approach will allow more freedom in performance because there won't be so much fear of failure and fear of loss um, that things like mindfulness and gratitude can can really kind of help an athlete to to deal with their this kind of this ever-changing unknown situation that is, that, that is sport and to to thrive in it and that that essentially as we're hearing more and more that the better people more rounded healthier happier people will be better athletes um, so it's it's very important to, to point out that, and that's also why this is practically it, it wouldn't be nearly so effective if it was just about creating happier people but it really is we really believe that this will will create better performances will free people up to perform more consistently and with more joy and, um, and therefore to achieve more of their potential but those, but those things are not separate. They're, they're, it's not a separate process to to improving your performance. To, for example, becoming mentally healthier. Mindfulness is a great example of that. That through the same technique, it can both be wonderful training for emotional control and focus and, and kind of awareness of your inner life for your performance, which directly benefits your your performance. And this very same thing will will kind of help you help you navigate this uncertain world and and kind of be be more balanced in your daily life and and improves physical and mental health so it's not those two things happen separately mental health over here and well-being and then performance over there this same technique is the thing that that can improve on on all the scales yeah, I think it's always so fascinating to try to think through this relationship between performance and and well-being. And for example, in the first part of our conversation, you mentioned that something you observed in your life as an elite athlete was that whatever you achieve, whether you succeeded really well or not really up to your expectations, there's always this sense of you could have achieved a little bit more and there's always some level of dissatisfaction wherever you ended up in, in that journey. But still, for example, in your work, you do lift this performance that you know your approach is not only more humane, but it also helps 
with performance. So an elite sport wouldn't exist without that performance dimension. So I think it's really fascinating to try to think through like how how to relate to that performance, especially when we know of so many negative effects if you are too focused on performance, just like you have reflected yourself. So maybe just a broad yeah. question how those meaningful experiences, high performance and mental health and well-being, how do those things really go together? I don't know the answer, but maybe you have some <laughs> thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I, I have this incredibly powerful kind of lived experience myself of both being a, a, a full-time athlete, but entire, way too wrapped up in the result and in the performance, still desperately trying to optimize and it not going so well, sometimes going getting some results and then other times not, just highly inconsistent, basically. And then at, at later on in my career, a far more kind of balanced, rounded approach based on what I love about the sport and, and doing sport and, and, and just experiencing on the apps on the biggest stages, just how, how positive, how powerful an experience I can have, how, how my performance can be as good as it's ever been, far better than it's ever it mm-hmm. was ever before. So I have that lived experience to kind of to to give me the the confidence that this is true what we're talking about is not just theory it's i've seen it and we've heard we we now hear from all so many athletes that come through our programs that they have the same experience so how they interact it's just um i mean it's complex but but it 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 makes it also makes so much sense when you when you actually think about it that that as I said, a kind of healthier, thriving individual is going to be able to perform more consistently and better than one who is thoroughly imbalanced. And I think this love versus fear kind of spectrum is is really important here. So fear can be highly motivating. Really, it can drive people to to do to do incredible things, but there that is. It's very hard to feed consistently and over the longer term, and and it leads to all sorts of kind of negative side effects. Like I had a fear based approach to performance, which led to if if things were going difficult, if if they were really tight in a match, I'd be plagued with anxiety rather than free and and able to perform kind of without that anxiety. Um, so shifting over to a more kind of love based approach, you get all the same kind of input and engagement effort and and without that that negative side effect so and then the 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 aspect of social change and kind of being a member of your community being i mean it just builds a sense of perspective a healthy perspective but a truest a truest perspective of what is closer to reality that really what we're doing is playing games athletes at the highest level even when there's huge amounts of money and prestige on the line it's still just a game and to have that perspective and you can gain that so nicely through giving yourself to other parts of life and to giving yourself to others in various ways it doesn't have to take up huge amounts of time but just that recognition that you are you are part of something bigger that their the purpose is is wider there's there's lots of athletes who are reckon who, who really do recognize that i think the american pro sport athletes are 
are actually quite a long way ahead in this. They they all seem to have foundations and they all dedicate themselves to kind of their communities. They so many of them have come up from from poorer backgrounds that they as soon as they make it to any of the pro levels, they're they're looking back to see what they can give back to their communities. And that's it's such an inspiring kind of model and and they they in it, it, it certainly doesn't harm their their own performance but on the contrary I'd certainly it it benefits them it, they're, they're doing their sport then they're kind of they're engaging it for something bigger so that they can have an impact on 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 the next generation of kids that might might not have the same opportunities for example there's so many there's so many connections so many links and it, it it's wonderful to think about and I've, we certainly haven't uh, we probably haven't even touched the surface on, on kind of unleashing all of this and really uh, connecting it all clearly. But but it's fa- it's certainly a fascinating kind of way to path to go down. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just thinking like I've just recently read some stories in the media about the Ingebrigtsen brothers, the runners, and I think Jakob is the one who is the most successful, and and he's basically been like absolutely exceptional level runner and only 20 years old and and he's won like european championships and so on and i mean the media narratives portray him as somebody who specialized very early and running is the only thing he has done in life that's like the story that you read from from the media we know that that's not like the full truth of things but so there could i mean we always uh advocate for having a broad identity and and having other things to who you are and and to your life but sometimes it also could be that it is the ones who have this what we see as probably problematic in many levels in relation to your well-being these kind of features in your story but you still might be like extremely successful in sport so sometimes performance and well-being might not be hand in hand so sometimes they might be pulling to different directions as well yeah quite right it's not it's very often not very healthy to be engaged in elite sport Mm. um but then in those cases in this case and i think this is a it's important often it's important to point out that when we talk about compassion or well-being or mental health we're when we're not as take compassion for an example i'm not i don't have the illusion that for the most kind of single-minded harshest critic of an athlete um that they that we that it would be a great thing to turn them into the buddha and that they are entirely self-compassionate and loving i think that's that's on the one hand it's non-realistic and the other hand it's probably not what they want and maybe will inhibit them in some ways but there's just to turn up that compassionate dial by 10 percent could be could be the thing that keeps them in the sport longer for example that maybe that person who's super harsh who's doing incredibly well at the age of 20 if they just have a little bit more self-compassion and a little bit less um unforgiving that they'll they'll be able to go longer they'll have a more positive experience whilst doing it because um so just thinking about them as dials that you kind of you can turn up a little bit that can still have a profound impact just just by small changes we're not talking about turning turning people 180 degrees in their attitude and approach to sport and making everybody kind of like the buddha it's it's about what's 
what's more sustainable, what's more slightly more healthy, and what are the places that you can you can adjust that, or you can have an impact which will maintain those kind of beneficial aspects for for their performance. But but at the same time, we there's always this question of well, if somebody really wants to beat themselves into the ground in order to get that Olympic gold medal and they achieve it. Is it worth it in the in, in that place? We hear so many stories of Olympic gold medalists and World Cup winners who are just destroyed afterwards. They've just got nothing. They, they've dedicated every bit of them to this sport and then they realize that it's not all it cracked up to be. And, and I think that we have a responsibility as coaches, as kind of in leadership roles in sports to to not really not allow that to just go on unchecked but to to provide a more kind of a more healthy part not path not not perhaps as healthy as not doing elite sport in every sense but in a way that the athletes aren't left bereft after achieving their life's goals that has to be avoidable i think yeah and yeah, I can see so much value in how you are really bringing in these different aspects of uh, developing a personal applied philosophy of living that can help to live a more meaningful life in, in sport, including in elite sport. And, and I really recommend all the listeners to take a look at that book and, and that philosophy. I think one question that came to my mind, although you are talking about like this broader change and and you know being connected to community and all those things maybe one thing that could be put as a criticism is that we also need to be addressing this more structural conditions of elite and professional athletes and i i had a recording session with professor martin roderick some weeks ago and he was talking about this you know working in professional sport for example as a footballer it's such precarious job and you know you can be deselected or left without a contract at any time and and it's such a cutthroat environment so there are really so many structural and cultural elements in that work that really prevent you from having a meaningful career in sport and so it's really like of course there is so much you can do in terms of shaping your own philosophy of life and and so on but probably we also have to be finding some ways to address these really big structural and cultural issues in sport as well definitely i'd say that the the end of what an individual can do is very limited compared to what the effect of the environment will be i mean it's a, it's on all of our shoulders to affect these changes and the footballing academies is a great example of just how much kind of suffering and and lost potential there there has been kind of in this churn of young kid kid athletes basically who they think they're going to make it up until the point when they're kicked out and left with nothing yeah, and they really haven't even got a, see. Yeah. an education. Mm. Um, so that's where, I mean, we need to be, for example, an academy should should be required to offer a full education alongside, I mean, alongside the, the football. It just can't be. And if that means that some some of those players aren't, are doing quite exploiting absolutely every drop of their footballing potential, then so be it because they're just too many, too many that, I mean, the percentage of those who make it versus who don't is you have to, 
that you have a moral responsibility for those who don't make it all the way that they still have something they have something going on that they have something to to move on to in life which is equally exciting and, and valid so yeah it's a it's a huge part and this book is 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 aimed at athletes for for them to be able to kind of think a bit deeper about their personal philosophy but it's kind of a secondary target audience is the people that support athletes so that they also can kind of think about how would they, if if they were to help a true athlete thrive with this philosophy what would their what, what would that coach have to be doing in their sessions or in their club um, what would that club chairman have to do with their with their systems or the academy manager how would they have to structure their environment to allow for some of this so having space in a program for 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 athletes in your care to to kind of look outwards and to to volunteer or to do something to study to um to have interests outside of the sport that's a that's an absolute kind of key part of this is that if we want our athletes to have a slightly rounded a more rounded identity there needs to be space for them in the program it needs to be not just space but kind of recommended it needs to be a part of it the um as an example i know the one of our mentors is in the the gb men's hockey team and they have a kind of stated part of their their yearly kind of interviews is what what are they doing outside of hockey and there has to be something it's not just a case of you're allowed to go and do some things on your own time but actually it's an integrated part of their structure is that everybody has something else going on that's not hockey and that that's the kind of place that we we need to move in in all sorts of of ways and for sure there are some brilliant environments out there doing all of them, all or lots of these things but far more we're still we're back to this the traditional culture sport far more of the environments are stuck in a just an industrial and inhumane kind of system mm. one thing that i have been very interested in in the past couple of years is also thinking what kind of relationship the athlete will develop with the sport that carries over uh, retiring or being deselected mm. for example so certainly having all these different things in life beyond the sport, but also having the types of meanings in sport that can carry through and over that being a talented athlete to, to your life after that phase. And so I think in, in the philosophy that you are developing and, and the things that you have been talking about in this podcast could be the types of meanings, for example, appreciating the complexity and the challenge of the sport. You don't have to be an elite athlete to appreciate that. Like I can appreciate that every day when I'm practicing martial arts in a in a low level. So I, I think that would be something that is also like a really valuable thing from the book to help people to clarify what are those things in sport that they really care about and they value and they can take Uh, with them in a more lifelong perspective yeah and if we talk about the potential of each athlete i mean we can't ignore the potential that they have for doing amazing things after they retire from being an athlete themselves but in that sport if the contradiction of or the opposition of an athlete who ends their, their own competitive career still in love and still absolutely kind of thriving who goes on to coach or volunteer or run a club or whatever it is for the rest of their life versus that one who's just full of bitterness and resentment at the way they were treated and they're mm. just bullying and harassed and that's it they're, they're done with that sport maybe they're done with sport altogether and yeah. they never give themselves into it i mean 
we can't just talk about potential of an athlete in that it ends with their latest good result or not, or what results they get, or even in their career. There's just there's so much more that we can think into that that picture. So exactly as you say, giving athletes an experience in which they want to they're they're inspired to stay involved in the sport or in sport generally is so high on the list i think even at the the performance levels because i see we see so often that if you have those your elite athletes if they if they stop and then you never see them again that's a huge loss for the performance culture that you have how much better if they could stay on as coaches as mentors as kind of volunteers whatever it is it's so the, the, even at the, the, the sharp end of sport, so important, the experience of the athlete as they're finishing. Yeah, and also to experience some value and joy of doing sport in their own lives. Yeah. Yeah, what a wonderful discussion. I, I think for a closing, I would be just curious to hear your reflections on it's it's a big job to write the book and it takes you quite a lot of time and you have to think through things very carefully. So... How was the process for you and did it maybe help you clarify some meanings and values of sport for, for your own self? And how do you feel now coming out from this project? It's been just surprisingly enjoyable all the way through. Um, I think I expected it to be far more of a slog. But I that might be because we've been... Once, when I got around to sitting down to actually write it, we'd been working in TAP for, I'd been working with TAP in, on these subjects for five years. I'd been I'd been in my job as, as a performance director for the same time doing kind of thinking about these things. I had my experience as an athlete. So lots of lots of the content was, was already there in some extent. It was kind of in existence and I just had to put it down on paper in a, a way that might easy to read so it was just a great a great pleasure to write it um wonderful to 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 have that opportunity to clarify things to set things out in a in a structure it just makes it so much more tangible and um to for example just writing the section of why why is a philosophy an important why is a philosophy a good thing why would that be a beneficial thing for us for an athlete for an individual was was really was really great to to put some words on well and to think about we we so rarely we, we all have a philosophy actually it's our approach to sport our approach to life but how often is it consciously kind of created and, and designed how, how often does it really fit our purpose um so that kind of section of just explaining what it's obviously really it impacts every part of our life what approach you have to life, what philosophy you have underlying it. So it makes a lot of sense to think about it and to put in the bits that you want and to remove the bits that you identify that, that aren't helpful. Um, and then, yeah, the, the kind of challenges of, of writing. Again, I had to remind myself of that enjoying those complex challenges when it comes time to sending bits out for feedback and dealing with the that kind of vulnerability um but but yeah i've had just we have a lovely kind of network of people who are really committed to this approach and have been so generous with their with their time to help me mold and sculpt this this book so it's been a it's been a real group effort as well yeah that's wonderful and 
I'll certainly link the True Athlete Project and, and the book to this um, show notes of our episode. So that will be a good place to start exploring more. So it's been, just like I already said, a really wonderful exploration of many ideas. And, and we share a lot of these concerns about the state of sport. And and I, I see a lot of value in, in the work you are doing in the True Athlete Project. And and the book as well is, is an inspirational resource for, for athletes, coaches, and everybody else who is involved in sport. So thank you so much for this conversation, Lawrence. Thank you, Nora. It has been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Through Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.